This week on Behind the Message, Jesus is alive, so we go. I cry. Welcome, church family, to Behind the Message with Daniel and Jennifer, and we are back again for another week, and um, we are here simply um, for you guys. We are here to allow you as a church family to go a little bit deeper into what the message was um, this past weekend, to dig into some scripture and truth and send in questions. Um, we've got a, a couple this week um, that we're going to press into this week. So anyway, it has been fun. Send in your questions. Continue to do that. BTM at tcbchurch.org and we will answer those to the best of our ability. And we have a little plug about an upcoming um Mailbox extravaganza. Maybe that's what we'll call it, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, we do have uh, mailbox extravaganza. It's not going to happen. It might happen. It's not going to happen. Um, we do have some special guests with us this week. We have Tommy and Marcy Hobson. I'm so excited. That are joining us. Are you excited? I don't, I am. Yes, I don't know that I'm that excited, but you, I'm excited. You should be. It's going to be incredible. Okay, so Tommy and Marcy are going to be here um, in just a little bit to talk with us really a lot about what the message was about this week is that because of Jesus' resurrection, as believers, we go. And so we have um, some incredible guests um, with that this week. So Daniel Broyles is here. Yeah. And uh, what got you with the message this week? Well, it, was, it was powerful. Paul preached, and it was great. What stood out to you? Uh, I, I want to save mine when we bring Paul in because I want to ask him about oh. it. But there was this unique moment, I think, uh, where I just got a little lost in something Paul said. It was so true, kind of convicting and challenging. And he was making this parallel in terms of like just court and law and, you know, the nothing but the truth. Yeah. And I was thinking through that. And so I want to ask him what he meant about that. Okay. Uh, I think that was, there's some really good implication in there. And so uh, that stood out to me. And I just, I, I just kind of got lost in the implications of that thought as he was preaching through it. And so it was good. So I want right. to come back, bring him in, talk to him about that. But what okay. about you? Um, I'm going to take mom privilege here for just a minute, and I'm going to say this. Um, I'm going to take a little mom moment. Mine was at, and this will give evidence to the fact that hey, I was in. Next week, can I take can I take a mom moment? No. Yeah, I don't. I don't. This. No. Yeah. No. no this, is a mom, this is a mom moment in that number one, it shows that I was in tune and paying attention throughout the entire message because what I'm going to share, Paul shared at the very end of the message. So what he said was, and, and the whole point, and Paul's going to recap it here in just a minute, is that because Jesus is alive, we go in resurrection power. Um, we go. So what stood out to me was when Paul said, where has God placed me that I don't need to leave? Where has God placed me already? We need to go, but we need to look at where we are and where has he placed me that I don't need to leave? So here's my mom moment. Um, God has placed me right now um, at home with my kiddos who are on the most absurd, weird, staggered school schedule right now ever invented. But and I'm going to share this because my uh, 10 year old probably won't be watching this. But uh, 11? She's 11. Won't be watching this. But, um, you need to edit that out. <laughs> um, and this is an encouragement to all of us out there with just parents in general is that God has placed me at a very weird time in history with this pandemic face to face with my kids in ways that I'm normally not face-to-face mm -hmm. -face, and for lengths of time that I'm not face-to-face. -face. And so where has God placed me and where am I called to be faithful is right there across the table from them. So 
so y'all can pray for me in this, is that right now, um, two of my girls are in school today, and one of them is not, very strange, and will not be in school for a couple of weeks, um, just because of school situations, will not be in school. Um, so she's at home with me, and I really had to say, God, you've placed me here, and I don't want to leave here too early. I don't want to try to get out of here. And so in God's resurrection power, I want God to do something through me and in the life of my 11-year-old. And so I'm just praying for her, and um, that word of encouragement in God's resurrection power that we go and then that we stay where God has placed us. And I, I just want to do that, and I don't want to be so self-focused that I— that I want to leave that time and that season too fast. So that's that's you know, what stood out to me. I think that's, um, I think especially for men, that's a really hard thing mm. um, because I think we're so wired to reach for the next big thing. Yeah. Um, I know even in my own personal life, the, the guys that, that work around me and are with me on a regular basis will tell you one of my great weaknesses is I, I struggle with the routine. Mm. Uh, there, I, I can only be in something for so long, and then I, I feel like I have to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're a missionary and you go to the other side of the world. At a certain point, you've been there, and yeah. it's home, and it's normal. Yeah. And those people, if it, the new wears off of yeah. those things. And so you see that in your relationships. You can see that in friendships. You can see that in marriage. You can see that with your kids. You can see. I think there's something in us that wants to see the big thing is always out there. Yeah. And we should go and we should have outward focus with the gospel, mm -hmm. but oftentimes the biggest impact is right in front of us today. Yeah. And you, you just, we just have to seize those moments. Yeah. I think that's such a, a good word. That's really, that's convicting. That'd be good. Yeah. It, was, it was a brutal reality to me. Jesus is worth it. You know what time it is? Oh. Hey, listen. Nobody knows what time it is, Daniel, until you say it. No, it, listen, I've been doing it. <laughs> I've been doing it every week. I'm not going to do it. You, you can. You can. Okay, just in your own way. We'll, we'll let you, I mean, you, you've got to practice. I'm, I might not be here next week. I'm not going to be here next week. I'm not going to be here next week. And, and they're going to need somebody to carry this. And Jeremy Bledsoe might be here next week. He might be filling in as the guest host. And can you imagine if we, you turned Jeremy Bledsoe loose with this? So, come on. This is a practice round. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Palmer Milliot, would you like to come join us for the sermon recap now? This week we were in Acts and uh, really excited just to be able to spend some time in Acts chapter 1. And kind of coming off of last week with Pastor Mike, we focused on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and then coming into Acts 1 talking about really the implications of the resurrection when it comes to our witness and our proclamation. And so uh, this week our big truth was because Jesus is alive, we go and really tried to make the comparison that the tension that, that we feel as Jesus followers today of how do we live for Jesus in these crazy times of 2020 and COVID and racial tension and the political season, and it, it creates uncertainty and fear and doubt and, and how do we share the gospel when we have to wear a mask and we're supposed to keep our distance and just in all the craziness. And, and for the early church and for the disciples, they had a major, um, they had major tension in their own lives. How are we going to share the gospel? Jesus isn't here anymore. We're just fishermen. We're followers. We're tax collectors. And now we're supposed to go take the gospel news to the whole world. Mm -hmm. They've never even gone outside of Jerusalem except on a couple of occasions. And now they're supposed to go to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. How's that possible? 
in the way it's possible is because Jesus is alive. And so the main focus of yesterday was that the resurrection changes everything. And because Jesus is alive and he raises the dead to life, he raises us to life, it doesn't matter what we face in this life, we can be faithful witnesses. We can go. And so out of that, kind of walk through some of the implications of practically what does it look like for us to go, but we cannot go apart from the resurrection. And we go where we are, but we also go where God sends us. And so here were the big ideas. We go in the Holy Spirit's power and presence. We go as witnesses. We go to our neighbors and the nations. We go proclaiming repentance and faith. We go in the confidence of Jesus' return. We go in persistent prayer, and we go in joyful worship. And those seven characteristics of the early church, we pray would be characteristics of our own lives as well. And so just really encourage and challenge our church family, what king are you living for? Whose kingdom are you trying to build? Are you trying to build your kingdom or Jesus? And these seven characteristics, these marks, are things that we can compare to our own lives and say, are these things true of us? Are we growing in these things? All right. So I want to go back to something that you said I thought was great and, and give you a platform to kind of run with one of these implications. So you talked about a witness who their responsibility isn't to try to convince, or try, but they're there to proclaim the truth. So when we go, we go with the truth. So you might want to unpack what that means, but you said something in it. You kind of went back to that idea of the courtroom and you talked about going with nothing but the truth. And so... I guess the question is, is you want to chase and talk a little bit about going with the truth and what it means to proclaim the truth. Also, practically, what are the dangers of adding on to that truth, of kind of putting in this and that, and how do we kind of fall victim to that, and what's the implications of that? I thought that was a great point. Yeah, so in Acts 1.8, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And so the power that the Holy Spirit is uh, displaying through those followers of Jesus, and he does through us today, is the power to be a witness, a power to proclaim the gospel, not just to do incredible things or miracles. All those things are tied back to the proclamation of the gospel. And so to be a witness, like you said, um, one of kind of the, the root derivatives of that word is to bear witness. And it really is a judicial word. And so you think of a courtroom scene, and I, and I talked a little bit about how we know it in America. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Uh, but even in uh, Judaism, in a courtroom scene, um, judicial system, the responsibility of the witness is to tell the truth. In fact, that's a lot of what the whole um, Jesus going on trial, that's a lot of what's built around that. So they're bringing all these false witnesses and their testimonies don't line up. They're not being faithful witnesses of what actually happened. And so to your point, when we go as witnesses, our job is not to convince everyone of the truth. It's not to prove every, to everyone beyond a shadow of a doubt that the resurrection is, is real but we are to declare the whole truth and nothing but the truth and be faithful. And so to answer your question, the danger I think in our culture tends to be uh, just not proclaiming the truth. We like to do lesser than the truth because honestly, the truth of the gospel, it confronts our sinfulness. It, it calls us to turn. It, it says that what you're hoping in is wrong. What you're looking to find joy and salvation in is, is the wrong thing. And so we tend to go less than the truth and kind of be more 
affirming or encouraging or, you know, just kind of coddling instead of really declaring repentance, mm-hmm. which that was one of the big things that stood out to me this week is in the Luke account in Luke 24, Jesus says that you must preach the repentance mm-hmm. for the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we think gospel, mm-hmm. we just think good news. We don't mm-hmm. usually think about, no, you need to turn. Mm-hmm. You need to turn so that you can be forgiven. Mm-hmm. But there is a danger on the other side of adding things. So you need to repent Plus, you need to go to church, or you need to be baptized, and then you can be saved, or you need to be a good moral person, then you can be saved. So our responsibility as a witness is to proclaim faithfully the truth of the gospel, to call people to turn from false saviors to the true Savior, put their faith in Jesus Christ, and to always declare that truth wherever we go. And then the other side of the the witness word is martyr. That's what the Greek word actually is. And so one of the main ways we bear witness is through pain, suffering, persecution. So those two go hand in hand. As we declare and proclaim the truth and then we suffer and still proclaim the truth, mm-hmm. that makes God look glorious mm-hmm. because people really are able to see where our hope is in. It's not just the thing we talk about when life is good, but when life is hard, we are still proclaiming mm-hmm. the truth. Yeah. That, I um, totally resonated with that last part that we go as witnesses. And when you put, when you read that verse, um, and you put in the word martyr, Mm -hmm. you will be my martyr both in Jerusalem. And I was like, wow, I had never, um, read it that way before. And that was really powerful to know that what we are walking through right now, the good and the bad is to be used to exalt the name and to be, we are to be walking billboards of the glory of Christ in our lives. And that shines the most brightly when we're walking during difficult times. And, and I even took that this morning and used it with my kids that I was sending off to school. You know, there's going to be a lot of complaining at school today. There's going to be a lot of people that don't are upset because they don't have lockers and cubbies and all these things and things are so different. But you can go and be a light in the midst of that. And, um, and, exalt Christ in the name of Jesus. And so on a high school level, that's one thing. But for us, you know, the stakes are a little bit higher, but we are to go and glorify Christ in the midst of that. And so that martyr word was huge for me. And I think it's it's beautiful as you read through Acts because within the first few chapters, James is martyred. But John, his brother, continues Mm. proclaiming the truth of the gospel. Mm. So it's not just you individually going through suffering or pain, but when people around you do and you still hold to the faith. And that's what happens. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, these apostles begin to lose their lives, but they still resound the gospel message. And I pray that we would do the same in whatever comes our way. So I want to jump us to the mailbox a little bit. So we had a question come in. You asked for questions. that uh, We had one specific to the Mm -hmm. Spirit. And... they, I think they're looking through Acts, and they, they acknowledge it seems to speak of a baptism in the Holy Spirit that is separate from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that happens at conversion uh, thoughts. And so that's a, a pretty common question that, that circles around in uh, our Bible studies and, and, and theology is, what is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? What's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Are they the same thing? Are they different things? And so uh, that would be probably a whole episode if we really unpack. Say, how much time are you yeah, going yeah, to take yeah. with this? But just in a kind of a quick summary, any thoughts to add to that? I, I've got a couple things. but anyway. Yeah, yeah, a couple thoughts. One is we recognize that the coming of the Holy Spirit is a unique thing in the New Testament. And so even this morning, I was just reading in my own just personal devotion time in, in John chapter 7, 
And Jesus makes this statement, and he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The next verse, Now he said this about the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So we recognize that before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was present, but not present in the same way he is afterwards. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's why Jesus says to the disciples, wait in the city. Don't, don't go beyond until you receive power from on high. So there were instances all throughout the Old Testament and even the Gospels where the Spirit would work in people's lives, but not that full presence that we see from the early church mm -hmm. on. And so we know that on this side of the cross and because of Pentecost and beyond that, then when we become a believer and we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's not something that happens later. It's not an add-on. Someone doesn't have to lay hands on you so that you can be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some traditions do still believe that, but that doesn't seem to be faithful from my perspective of what the biblical witness would say. And so we have indwelling at the moment of conversion. Uh, but what you see uniquely happening in the book of Acts, and I didn't talk about this on Sunday, but one good question to ask is, who, are, who is acting in Acts? Is it the Acts of the early church? Is it the Acts of the disciples? I think it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And so Acts 1.8, you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the earth. Well, Acts 2, the Holy Spirit falls in Jerusalem. Acts 8, which is what they're referencing, the Holy Spirit falls in Samaria. And then in Acts 19, the Holy Spirit falls in, in Ephesus to the Gentiles, to the ends of the earth. And so those unique instances where the Spirit comes after conversion, that has less to do with the individual person. It has more to do with the work of the Holy Spirit that was promised by Jesus in 1.8 visibly happening. So I think that was a very unique circumstance to be able to highlight the Spirit's work in, uh, in bringing about what Jesus promised would happen. But we become indwelt by the Holy Spirit once we place saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's good. Um, just because it's, uh, he's uh, pretty popular and it's easy to find. I, I like Piper's breakdown of that. I think he does a pretty good job. Uh, I think that would there, be John Piper, in case anyone else doesn't yeah, know exactly what you're talking about. There you go. Yeah, and, and you can search for that and this subject, and again, he'll give you a lot more. It's just a resource off the top of my head that mm -hmm. comes there. I think um, uh, when you see that description, you're seeing the same terminology that is really describing two different events, and I think that's what you're acknowledging. You're talking about a filling of the Holy Spirit that's happening in conversion, and then you're talking about an empowering of the Holy Spirit that's happening in the life of believers multiple times throughout uh, their life. I don't think that's one time and like they're empowered and that's it, and then there's like superhuman after that or whatever. That's we don't see that. We just see a uh, work of an act of the Spirit coming through us as believers, and we see that in power that, that's kind of documented there. Two things about this that I want to say to you guys. When you study the scriptures, just keep in mind that the main thing is the plain thing, and the plain thing is the main thing. And so it doesn't matter which theological issue you begin to chase. You should chase it. You should study it. You should pursue it. <laughs> But if you begin to realize, man, I'm into a lot of hypothesis, and I'm in a lot of theory, and Scripture hasn't been uh, 
clear, it's not been prescriptive, it's not so repetitive to this issue, then you gotta realize you're in a subpoint. And that happens all the time. Sometimes that's due to our own limitations, sometimes because that's not the important thing that the revelation mm -hmm. of God is wanting to make known about himself and mm -hmm. who we are. And so when you get into some of these things and you allow for some differences, because scripture isn't so clear, just be careful how much time and how strong you put in some of those stances. Study it, pursue it, but kind of know what to hold tightly and what to hold loosely. And I think mm -hmm. to some extent, this begins to become one of those issues. Mm -hmm. Let scripture interpret scripture and rest in some of that. Again, back to Paul's point, there's a temptation for us to add to the truth. Mm -hmm. Don't fall victim to that, to just kind of push uh, your thing, your agenda, your thought, and trying to be right. It's okay to go as far as you can go and say, I think uh, after that. Yeah. But man, awesome, awesome job Sunday. Yeah, Sunday was really great. Good. It was really awesome. Good. It was a win. All right, so now something we're excited about. You, you can't do the, don't do the prices right thing for the for the for for our next guest. Just I, don't do it. I won't, I won't. Okay. But I, you were you know so what? excited early on. I thought you were going to be like ready to do, to prices right it here. Paul, Paul, we're friends. I mean, I was excited <laughs> to have you on. Just y'all are friends. <laughs> but, but I'm more excited. He was really excited. I'm really excited for the Hobson. So we're going to move into what now? So you're talking about going and. We've got some missionaries that are back here on furlough. We want to bring them in and talk a little bit about why they went, how they went, uh, see if they're wearing a cape, if they're superhuman, oh. <laughs> you know, all that good stuff. So, Paul, thanks for the sermon. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about it. Let's do it. Guys, we have a unique Let's Talk About It segment this morning, um, and we have with us Tommy and Marcy Hobson, and they are some of our very own um, homegrown personal family of Tri-Cities IMB missionaries um, to Uganda, and they are back with us um, for a few months, and so we wanted to have them in, especially since we're talking about because Jesus is alive, we go, and they have gone and are going and continue to go and just have a unique insight that they can give to our church family. So we just wanted to chat with you a little bit so that you could share with our family um, what that looks like, some difficulties that you have, some, anyway, just to kind of hear your story. So to start out, um, you all went to Uganda, but here's the big overall question. And a lot of our church family know your story, but um, why did you go? Jesus is alive and so we go, why did you all go? That's a good question. <laughs> it's a good Why in the world did you? Um, it wasn't a dream of ours. I mean, we love East Tennessee. Our family's here. Job was going well. Everything was going well. We had young kids, so it's never been a, a, a huge dream. But I think, and, you know, I, w I was a believer 15 years before God started stirring in my heart about missions, and I think we just started falling in love with God more. Mm -hmm. And the more we fell in love with Him, the more we started seeking His will for our lives. Mm -hmm. And it just took us down this road of international missions. We went on some short-term trips, and that affected us, you know, and, and uh, stirred our hearts. And we just started praying and just step, taking one step at a time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so when you're on the mission field, you hear all the time, as a little girl, I heard a missionary speak about Africa, yeah. and it's been my lifelong dream to finally get here. Right. That was not us. <laughs> it was not us. Like, I don't okay. even know. I knew about missions, really, growing mm. up. Wow. So, yeah, it was not a lifelong dream for sure. Mm. At what point, because there's a little bit of a roller coaster ride in that, but when you guys ask, like, 
at what point did you guys feel like, man, this is what we got to do, mm. and that we're going to make this happen. And I'm sure there was days right after that where you're like, what have we yeah, done? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but how, how did that sense of calling just solidify to the point to where you're on a plane? Mm-hmm. For me personally, I can remember being in the Word one morning, and I, was in, I had been reading through the Old Testament. And at this point, Tommy was ready. I mean, he was ready to go. In fact, he had come home from, we had been in Central America somewhere, mm-hmm. and... While we were there, somebody was kidnapped. An American person was kidnapped. And I remember coming home that day. Tommy was in the office that morning, and I walked down, and I'm like, does it not scare you? I mean, we're taking our kids Mm -hmm. to a different country. And he's like, what scares me is we will wake up 20 years from now having this very same conversation, Mm -hmm. and we will have done nothing for the Lord. Wow. What I love about that is that you all started with, because Jesus is Lord and he's worth it, and we were in the Word. Yeah. And that's and that's how it came. That's that's, right. that's, that's, that's yeah. awesome. So just real practically, because we were kind of joking before we went on camera that you weren't just like teleported over there and landed and everything was just because that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are some of the practicals? Like how how did you go? Like what were some of the steps you had to go through? We were joking on the way here. Like how do we go on a plane? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Right. how did walk. you get there? Well, I mean, there. I mean, think about this. Especially when you're younger, they look at you and like they think off camera you hung your capes over on like yeah. that. I mean. I mean, uh-huh. what yeah. you're doing is so, uh, so new mm-hmm. to most of us who would relocate their life and live on mission yeah. in a foreign country. And so it's easier to somewhat categorize you as almost like superheroes than it is to categorize you like us. Right. And so you guys had to go somehow. How did, that, how did you do that? I mean, you didn't cape up. There was, yeah. It was really practical, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, and... and big part of that preparation was being on mission here. I mean, we, uh, um, you know, we learned how to share the gospel. We were in routinely learning to how to engage our neighbors and just be uh, a part of the church here. And as we took one step after the other, it's basically we're doing the same thing. It's just a different context. Yeah. We're trying to reach our neighbors in Uganda. Uh, I uh, work in a business office there for the missionary, uh, for the IMB. And so I'm um, uh, reaching out to those that I do business with, to the immigration offices and all those. So we're just sharing in go moments there in Uganda. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that was the first step. And then we started getting some good counsel. You know, we, from we didn't. Church. From the church, from our pastor at that time, and from other people that we trusted. And we were like, we don't want this to be an emotional thing just because we love different cultures. We want to make sure this is God calling us so we had some good counsel in that and and then we just started taking steps and we said God we think that you'll close the door if this is not your will and it was a six-year process for us so and we possibly might have prayed that God would close the door <laughs> yeah. you know One of you us want to talk sure. about real yeah. <laughs> yeah praying frequently that that door would close and for us like because we're Southern Baptist of course the International Mission Board was the first place we really checked yeah, and we looked at other uh, mission organizations too, but the International Mission Board opened our eyes really for the first time of un- to unreached people groups and to unreached unengaged people groups. Whereas there's there's 240 million people, something like that, around the world that don't only have never heard the gospel and don't even have a chance yeah, no to hear it. So that really pricked our hearts. Yeah. You said something I want to go back to because I think it's a weakness of the church and especially maybe our younger generation. 
So we want to fast track everything. Um, and so it, it's this idea in the church that if I'm called to do this thing, then I should just be a leader in this thing. We wouldn't accept that in any other field. If you had cancer and you needed to go see a doctor, you wouldn't be like, well, you know, let me do it. I'll, yeah. I'll watch a YouTube video and we'll figure it out. Yeah. And, and you can say, no, 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 I'd rather have somebody who's pursued this. And I'm like, no, 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 really, God's called me to do it. Let me do it. You wouldn't hold that standard anywhere else. But basically, we want to take somebody and we want to say, oh, they went on one, a one-week short-term mission trip. And we're like, oh, go, you know, here, you're clear. Yeah. You said something. I want to make sure everybody called it a six-year process. Mm -hmm. yeah. We in the church want to bypass all that because we so want to empower everybody. Like, oh, you're a leader. Right. No, you're not a leader. Mm -hmm. Go prepare to be a leader. Mm -hmm. right. So speak to that a little yeah. bit. Well, there are several things that we had to, uh, we needed to look at before we went to the field. One of those things, very practically, was making sure we were out of debt. We, could, we didn't need any debt when we went to the field. The IMB recommended that, thankfully. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing was seminary training. And, uh, you know, I don't believe everybody needs to go to seminary to teach the Bible, but it was very valuable for us, and I was able to get a seminary degree before we left. And so those were two major points that we needed to, to have in order before we went, and that's what happened over that six-year process. Part of getting out of debt was selling a house, and so selling the house took some time, so that allowed us to slow down and really devote more to prayer and to education. Have you seen those dangers like Daniel was talking about of people very passionate about what they think missions is going to be yeah. and overseas work and cross-cultural work is going to be and and they want to just go and they want to be yeah. available and their heart is to be available. What dangers have you seen or what concerns Absolutely. you about that? I think we often say when you land and you have a one-way ticket, mm -hmm. it changes everything. Like we had been on many mission trips. We started taking our kids when they turned five. Mm -hmm. So we had been overseas. Mm -hmm. We thought we were ready. But something happens when there's not a return ticket. Mm -hmm. Like, And you realize, oh my gosh, this place is home. And it feels nothing like home. But I think probably the biggest danger is people who think they know everything already and they're yeah. not learners because we're going into somebody else's culture. It's not mine. Mm -hmm. And we've frequently seen people, frequently seen people come in and they want to tell them how to do church mm -hmm. the way Americans do church. And I'm like, sometimes we don't get it right. I mean, mm -hmm. often we don't get it right. But we want to go over there and bring American church to Africa mm -hmm. instead of learning from our national brothers and sisters how they do church. Yeah. And learning very early that they know so much more than we do. So much more than we do. And, and just not having a, a good prayer time, good quiet time, and just spiritually mature. Not ready, yeah. If you're not spiritually mature, the international mission field is not it's the place not to you. go. And if you're not sharing your faith here. Yeah. And like, like Tommy and I have been talking about your go moments and how I love go moments. I'm a social worker by heart. Mm -hmm. I loved having places to go. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking just last night about, you know, a cup of water might not save somebody, but it gets you in front of somebody. Mm -hmm. And how, like, college ministry and getting free pizza is part of his testimony. Mm -hmm. I had a lady tell me there in Uganda that she used to come to this little gathering for her banana. You know, like, it's in a, it's in a very poor, poor area. 
and weekly they'd get a banana or a boiled egg. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I started coming here for my banana. I kept coming because of Jesus. You know, so I think just doing that stuff here, mm-hmm. because it's harder to do it there. And lots of people, I thought we were moving to a mission trip, you know, where somebody would have outlined what I was going to do oh. every day. Yeah. I thought the teams would just be like, okay, you're going to do this. And it would just be set yeah. up and you don't. You live there and you do life. Mm-hmm. My kids went to school. Um, you just do life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're not, if that's not a part of your life here, it's easy to stay in your house there. The the fear of uh, just being in a different city or a different place and the cultural differences, um, uh, Satan will use that or enemy will use that to draw you into your house yeah. and make you want to stay where something's familiar. Where you are in Uganda, where you'll be going back to in Uganda, what are some of the, the needs, the, the spiritual needs, the physical needs? What is there? What do you see when you're there? I mean, the biggest thing is we have a remnant of great godly Bible teachers, pastors, but there's not enough. There, are, there is so much false gospel, mm-hmm. so much prosperity and, and uh, health and wealth gospel. Mm-hmm. And it really, it's, it, it really undercuts the, you know, God's truth. I mean, and so uh, we need more godly leaders in the church mm-hmm. to stand up and speak truth no matter what the cost. From here. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. on that side, you see a lot of young families coming. Like we have a lot of young families coming. But we don't see a lot of seasoned people coming. And I think we need seasoned teachers, you know, people who yeah. know the word and people who aren't afraid to say what the word says. But then we need those Ugandans, more Ugandans, that are willing to hear, uh, yeah. re- willing to grow in God's <laughs> ways and not just in the ways that, that uh, lines their pockets, basically. Yeah. So, again, there's a remnant of great pastors, but there's a huge amount of false teachers yeah. there. So. So, it's one of those things, too. Just real quick, yeah. back to some of our, our uh, go pursuits that we hold out. We hold up five of those. Probably one of the ones that we talk about the least because it's harder for us to personally experience and get our mind around is the trained leaders piece. Mm-hmm. That's the part you're talking about. Absolutely. And so yeah. I, I will make the argument that if you really care about advancing the gospel to unreached people groups, you're going to do that through training leaders because yes. what's going to happen is yes. those local leaders are going to go 100 miles away where you and I just can't get to. And they're going to bring skills and competencies and language into their setting. And so to just bring them some equipping and training, not to the point of being an American church, but to really empower them and where they're at is a game changer. And so at Tri-Cities, I'm so proud that we do that. We do that with a lot of different organizations, a lot of different things. But it's coming aside those local pastors, those local leaders, and equipping them, serving them, resourcing them. Love that we get to do that as a church. We say often, our favorite part of the week, we live on a compound, we have six, seven staff that we do Bible study with every week, and it's probably our favorite part of the week, because they're all followers of Jesus, and they come from different backgrounds, but just watching them grow in their faith. We have an older guy who just retired. He had worked on the compound for 25 years. And at one point he said, what I appreciate most about him is that he told me I could share the gospel. You know, like this guy had, wa- had worked for 25 years for us, yeah. but he was a gardener, you know. And coming alongside people who have the language, have the culture, 
they are going to share the gospel and do a much better job at that than we do. Yeah. And we learn so much from them. I mean, we learn a ton. It's it, it, Life is so much more rich because of their input. When we have yeah. a Bible study, it's not one person teaching. It's a, it's, yeah. We sit in a circle mm-hmm. and everybody shares. And man, I'm telling you, we our favorite part yeah. is listening to them share. Yeah. And it's really... It holds us accountable. It really it's does. really and in the beginning it was funny because we're used to the American Sunday school class. You no, know, like he led we led a pretty big Sunday school class when we were here. Maybe fifty people mm-hmm. in there. And you could ask a question and nobody'd say a word. Not there. Not there. No. You know, so it's I good. expected that. That's so the awesome. first time we're sitting around this little table and we ask a question and they're like they all started talking, and I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they had really listened to, you know, like they knew what we were studying. So now, I mean, it's just the practice. You go around the circle. And we'll, we'll have visitors now because if I'm, like, on our compound is where all the work is done on people's vehicles. Okay. So if that day the mechanic is there, the mechanic comes up for Bible study. Oh. Or, I mean, whoever's there, if we have a plumber on the compound because we have a guest house, they're in our Bible study. Okay. And they also speak. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's been a neat it's opportunity fun. for us. Yeah. So what I love hearing is that, it began with the recognition that Jesus is worth it, mm-hmm. and then it was time in the Word, mm-hmm. and it was humility. We don't know everything, yes. and we need to press in and learn and yeah. study and be on our knees yeah. and in prayer, and we need to seek counsel, right. and we need to be under authority mm-hmm. um, and walk in wisdom and all of those things that regardless of our setting, regardless of our of our culture, regardless whether we're here or we're in Bristol or we're in Africa, those are all things that we should all be involved in doing and then be obedient to where God calls us yeah, from absolutely. there. Yeah. That's so what, what needs do you guys have? Like you're speaking to our church family and to groups of people that want to pray for you, so specific yeah. prayer needs and, and maybe even physical needs. What what can we pray for you? What do you think? Them? You think greasy cups or baby wrap? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's a, <laughs> it's funny because we, we laugh like even – we're going to pick on Mike, you know, like we were, <laughs> we were listening to his thing on Acts last night and he's got a big Chick-fil-A, um, Chick-fil-A cup and we're like, turn, like one time uh, Wes calls Tommy. You don't have to call And he's like, hey, I mean, oh, sorry, you can out. just he's take that name out. <laughs> Wes says, oh, hold on, I'm going through Chick-fil-A drive through and we're like, wait, 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 were you seriously? in Africa when this Yeah. So, so anyway, hey, we sorry, think Wes, Wes felt bad yeah. though, so <laughs> you can cut that He's off. repented. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> no, seriously, um. You know, honestly, we live in a city where we have great stuff, like the best Indian food ever. So it's funny, in the beginning, we did miss a lot of things from the U.S., but the longer you live cross-culturally, you just learn to live like there. So even when people do send Reese cups, sometimes (laughs) if Tommy would not get into those, they'd stay in our refrigerator for a long time. You just, you learn to live with what you have. But as far as physical needs, we really don't have any. Our prayer needs, we're at the end of a term. And we talked about this earlier that we, you know, at the end of every term, we just put our yes back on the table. And there are days when we're like, gosh, U.S. is a mess. You know, like, it is a mess. And we know U.S. culture. We probably do a better job sharing the gospel here than we do overseas. Maybe it's time to come back, you know. So, but, and maybe that comes from we just dropped a a kid off at college, you know, and we're knowing that when we do leave, next time we leave Mm. without one, you know, so we're we're just in a season of prayer, mm. and just really putting our yes back on the table. Mm-hmm. We're good going back. We're good mm-hmm. staying. Um, somewhere new would be difficult yeah. right now with the age of our other kid, but 
And right. we don't have clarity on that, so we, yeah, could, you know, we need prayers yeah. for that. But yeah, that's the biggest need, and yeah, yeah. just uh, uh, yeah, praying for that. Uh, our children, as they're growing, we're in a different stage yeah. of parenting. Yeah. So one has uh, is living on her own now. So just praying for her and for her transition to continue. It's yeah, gone well absolutely. so far. Yeah. yeah. But it's hard not knowing. Like sure. last night, she doesn't text back, and it's like, dang, is she alive? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm sure you know how that is. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you guys coming in. This has put some some flesh, some yeah. some feet to what what we've been talking about. That because Jesus is alive, we go. And yeah. you've challenged us. We may go to Africa. We may not. But we still go right. where yeah. we are. So. And so we're here. So like, you're at Tri Cities. This is your church, and you're going to be here for a few months, if nothing else. And so I, I just want to say to you guys, I know them. I'm going to speak for you. If you have questions and it doesn't matter if you're 70 or you're 17 and you're wrestling with mission and calling and what that might look like for you they are great resources mm -hmm. so reach out to us reach out to them set up a meeting get you know it can be a phone call maybe you can connect it here at the church but they're a great resource and they'd love to share with you talk to you and help help you kind of discern what the lord might be doing in your life that way and kind of point you in a direction mm -hmm. and so you're a great resource, our yeah. church. Thank you all. Yeah. You're awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah, thanks you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Hobson. Uh, great to have the Hobsons that on. Was great. Yeah. They're just a blessing to our church. Really, if you're wrestling with mission, reach out, talk to them, set something up. Yeah. Uh, having a resource like them at our church is an incredible, incredible gift. Yeah. So, want to make sure you it. kind of uh, again lean into that. Also, yeah. uh, we have a debate we sent to our people last week to help us name our whatever edition after this yeah. is going to call it. We've got a, got a special behind the message that's coming out later this week. Yes. And I got an email back. It says, I firmly believe that it should be called behind the message, messages. And I firmly believe it should not. Should not. Be called behind the message, messages. And so we we discussed it and so we're going with... So whoever sent that in, I'm sorry, that's corny. Wow. <laughs> Jennifer's harsh. So we're going to go with something a little bit more tame. Okay. So we're just going to go behind the message, extended edition. Behind the message, extended edition. All right. So All that's right. it. So like later it. this week, that's going that? to come out. What is it? We're, we're going to take the mailbox questions yeah, that yeah. are too big yeah. for us to be able to just unpack in our time that we have for our regular. We're yeah. going to have a whole other episode okay. uh, to two questions. And so we got uh, two questions that are coming up that are going to be awesome. Yeah. One is basically on biblical womanhood. Yeah. Had a question come in on that Daniel's a few weeks ago. It actually is addressed to Jennifer. <laughs> Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, do that, and then we have another question that came in that's a little bit broader, okay. which is basically ask us what are our blind spots right now as a church? So what are the things that's that it's hard cool for question. us to see in this setting in this culture? You got a little bit of that with the Hopsons yeah. because they're able to see back into that from another culture. So yeah. that'll be pretty fun too. That's so awesome. we're excited about that. Behind the message, extended edition later this week. It has Look to for have it. A cool font. Do something fun. Make it look fun. Okay. Yeah, it'll be good. Love you guys. All right. Pray for us. Yeah, we're going to close in prayer. Uh, we pray scripture over you, so that's what we're going to do, and there's no better scripture today than Acts 1-8, which is where we were this past weekend. Um, so let me pray for us. Father God, we praise you. Um, we thank you. We are humbled and in awe of the fact um, that you are alive, and because you are alive, we go um, with your resurrection power. And Lord, we have received that power and we praise you for your Holy Spirit. And as you say, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. 
So Lord Jesus, help us go in the power that you have given us, in the power of your Holy Spirit. And we love you, and it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.